Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Monday. Welcome back. Miller and Connor continues taking you up until noon. Trent solo today. Lined up with a couple of good guests here in hour number two. Kick it off with Bama Bob as we do recapping the weekend that was in college football. Also, Dave Sprow going to join us from KASI up in Ames. 1430 on your AM dial. We'll talk about Iowa State, Kansas State at the bottom of the hour coming up with Dave. But he is Bama Bob. He is a regular on our program during the falls as we talk to him on Fridays, getting ready for the weekend, and Mondays to recap what it was. Bama, as always, good to talk with you again. A weekend that certainly felt incredibly odd. You had the Masters going on, so many cancellations. What, two SEC games, two Big 12 games. It was just a weird weekend overall. How are you doing? I'm doing great. and I think the weirdest thing was, you know, two Pac-12 games got canceled and then the two teams didn't have the covert outbreak decided they play each other on Sunday in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I just, <laughs> that's just 2020. If nothing epitomizes 2020, it's that. Yes, yeah, it's thinking yeah. what bowl games, what the playoffs going to look like. The conversation continues to build. I know out of the Pac-12, Larry Scott, he's trying to do anything possible to flex his muscle a little bit. Looks like a pretty good Oregon team over there too, which is something what is a 7-0, or if there's cancellations, a 6-0? What does an Oregon team sit in that spot as it compared to a 1 or even a 2-loss team from the SEC or the Big Ten, whatever it turns out to be? Bama, there are so many maturations that are still in front of us that we just don't know. What do you know at this point? What do you think this thing's going to turn out looking? <laughs> just all systems go and we're going to play the playoffs the way that it was originally set, championship originally it was way to go, or do you see some flexibility? I, listen, I think we're going to have forced flexibility and I'll be honest with you Kent, uh, Trent I will be I will be pleasantly surprised if we get to a playoff I mean it's just the way things are going right now not just in in, in college football but but across the country and you're starting to hear you know I mean things are just so out of control and and it the sports world is as they should be is kind of beholden to you know, local officials, you know, hey, listen, yeah, great. You want to play your football game, and, yeah, there's going to be no fans, and, yes, you can have protocols and testing, but, you know, you've got workers that have to be at the stadium and all this other type of thing. I, I just I, – I don't I don't know. We, I think we are really at a tipping point right now. As, I know we're in week 11. I just think we're at really a tipping point if we, if we get to finish the season, and it's just because things are so out of control and we're entering – you know, what is typically flu season, and this year that just adds so many complications. You know, do you, is it flu? Is it COVID? Uh, is it both? Is it neither? Um, you know, you, you, you're seeing, you know, hospitals and everything else just stretched thin. And I, the, the bowl season especially, you know, we might be lucky enough to get maybe a, some big six bowls um, and maybe a playoff. But these other bowl games, I, I just – I don't see it because you're – or. I won't say I don't see it. I'm, I'm, 
I would be concerned that it would actually happen because you're going to send two teams from two different parts of the country to a third part of the country. Um, you know, are they going to have to quarantine? Or you know, there's going to be no parades. There's going to be no you know normal you know bands and all the the stuff that usually comes with a ball game and. I mean, how much money are they really going to make if you can't have fans in the stands? And, you know, are fans of the teams going to travel? Are they going to be allowed to travel? Are they going to want to travel? I mean, it's it's just so much up in the air. But um, on the field, you know, listen, I, I, I'm all for, at this point, just pick your four best conference champions. Uh, I know you're going to leave one team out doing that. Maybe it's the Big 12. I don't know. But if Oregon goes undefeated, fine, put them in. Put them in against an SC or whoever wins the Pac-12. You know, put them in against uh, you know the SEC champion and the Big Ten and and the you know the ACC whoever comes out of there. Um, this year's just so screwed up. I don't. You you can't compare apples to apples. Some teams are playing six games and that's a full schedule. Some are playing ten, but they're only going to play nine. Some are supposed to play ten and they're only going to play eight. It's it's just like anything I've, I've nothing I've ever seen and. If we, if we get to a playoff, I don't know how. Re- it's almost like the World Series with sixty games. How legitimate is it? I mean, you can you can. I think we can kind of all agree right now on three teams. You know, if you really look at it with the eyeball, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. The fourth one, Oregon, Oklahoma State. If they win the Big Twelve, uh, you know, Cincinnati, whoever. Um, it, it's just it's like anything I've ever seen. Bama Bob joining us as we take a look back at college football, Bama. Got to get into the Big Ten with you. I know Ken likes to go alphabetically, but I, I got no time for that. So we're going to start with the Big Ten <laughs> and two Be programs. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> two programs. Michigan and Penn State. They're blue bloods. They're historical programs. Penn State was preseason top ten. This was a team with big expectations. They've had opt outs. They've had injuries. There's been issues there, but for them to sit at zero and four. Losing to Nebraska, losing to Maryland in the fashion that it's gone. Even the loss to Indiana, where they absolutely dominated yeah. statistically. And then if the running back just goes down to the one-yard line, the game is over. Yet here they sit at 0-4. James Franklin just got a contract extension. He's not going to get fired, but this team seemingly giving up. How big of a surprise is that to you? It is a little bit. Uh, listen, I, I thought they were going to get run. I mean, they were down, what, 27-6 to at, at halftime. Mm-hmm. I, I give them... I don't want to say give them credit. You know, we're not handing out juice boxes here. I, I get it. You know, it's there's so much else going on um, that I, I think you have to kind of factor in. But the bottom line is, if whoever shows up to play the game has to play. And I do give – it kind of shows me that they haven't just quit. That game, you know, from the halftime score, that could have finished 48 to, you know, 13, something like that. But they did fight back. A lot of that was Nebraska trying to give them the win. It looks like yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I'm just, you know, that, that whole program is another story. But I don't. I thought initially that they had given up. I'm not sure that has happened. But at some point, when you get into the and you start to, you know, these kids read, really, you know, know what's going on in the world too. And then, you know, at what point do they really start looking out for themselves and going, do I really need to be putting myself not only for injury, but for illness in this situation? We're 0-4, we're going nowhere. We, you know, we got three games left. How bad do I really want to play? Uh, and that's not just Penn State. That's everybody. Um, you know, Michigan is just a hot mess right now. I mean, I don't think that has – I mean, you talk about a team that quit. That's a team that quit. I mean, they just got pushed around from the start. I don't know where Harbaugh goes. 
uh, from here. You know, he says we're going to evaluate everything in the program. Well, what does that mean? You know, starting with coaching. Okay, well, we've already kind of evaluated you, Jim, and, you know, you're – you're not doing what you're being paid $9 million to do. And this is year five, six, whatever it is. Every one of these players is your guys. Uh, you know, Joe Milton, God bless him, you know, two passes, two picks. The second one was as bad of a pass as I have ever seen. Um, I don't know what he was looking at there other than being colorblind, but I just, that's a team that's going nowhere. Wisconsin, on the other hand, looks pretty good. Um, I, I wouldn't mind, I, I hope. I know Northwestern and Purdue. Yeah, I give Northwestern a lot of credit. They're four and zero. Indiana's four and zero. So those teams are going to have something to say about it uh, this week, especially Indiana playing Ohio State. But right now, Ohio State, Wisconsin looks like what could be a pretty good football game. That'd be a great one to have. But those two teams you mentioned, like you said, I mean, a combined what one and seven, if my math is correct, yeah. right now for those two teams. But Penn State fought back, played hard. Michigan. Never gave an effort in that game, and it was it was just it was they, their fans and their fan base and their the the power brokers are just cannot be happy with what they're seeing out of that team. Northwestern Wisconsin coming up this week. We'll get into that game on Friday, two thirty kickoff, ABC for four, first place in the Big Ten West, undefeated Northwestern four and zero, undefeated Wisconsin at two and zero, and whoever loses this one, they're behind, but. Not necessarily. Wisconsin is still a canceled game away from it being over for them to win the division. How wild is that? Yeah, that's what's crazy. Um, and listen, they, they've had two canceled because of their outbreak. And I, I'm, I'm not one of these that's blaming anybody, you know, whether it was a, a, a group gathering, yeah. a party off campus, whatever that kind of – I mean, we just don't know. I mean, you know, we can look to you <laughs> – we, could, we 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 both know people who you know do everything right mm-hmm. and can still come down with something uh, with this thing for whatever reason. Maybe it's blowing around in the air. Who knows? But you're right. They're at everybody else's mercy right now. I mean, you know, if if if, if I'm a you know if I'm Northwestern, maybe I say, hey, I got a COVID outbreak. You know, so we can't play this game. I mean, uh-huh. you, you don't, it would never happen. You hope it would never happen, but you're right. They're at everybody else's mercy now because if they don't win, they're out. If they, if they get another game canceled, in other words, they're done. And so it, you hope that wouldn't happen, and you hope you play them all, but I don't know. It's just unlike anything. I keep saying that, and I'm just – I don't know. You can't wrap your arms around this season because – Every conference is doing it differently, and everybody has different protocols. But right now, those two, Wisconsin and Ohio State, look like they're the best teams. Um, but you're right, Northwestern will have a chance this week, and Indiana will have a chance to say something about it, too, if they can uh, pull that, you know, if they can actually play the game against Ohio State. And Lord knows if they can win it. I don't think they can. But, um, I mean, look, who knows? It, it's just we've seen crazier things this year. Bama light week in the Big 12, just two games. West Virginia, easy win against TCU. Texas Tech comes back, gets a field goal at the gun to beat Baylor. Sending Baylor, who played for the title last year in the Big 12, to 1-5 and five on the season. Any takeaways at all from a light slate in the Big 12? Not much. I mean, West Virginia continues to really kind of impress me. I mean, they're, they're, they're a lot better than I thought they would be. I mean, and look, give them credit. They played eight games. They've been able to get through eight so far. Um, that's a credit to them. And, um, you know, I, again, they're, you know, they've got some, some pretty good weapons on offense 
and they're playing really good defense. I mean, very, very yeah. good defense. The whole TCU to six points, that was coming off of, I think, what, 13 against Texas, or 17 against Texas? Was it 17-13? 17-13, yep. Against Texas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's legitimate defense. And if, if that – any team in that conference, and that's why I was still like Iowa State in that, you know, as a, a co-favorite in that conference because, I mean, they do play really good defense. And, uh, and plus they've got, I think, a little bit better weapons on offense and more of a complete team. But – that would just be it, you know, a, a, an impressive win. We talked about it before. That's such a hard road trip, you know, for for teams to go to Morgantown. It's just a hard trip. It's not easy to get to. It's a tough place to play once you're there. There's nothing to do once you're there. There's really, you know, not a lot of excitement or anything around it. Um, but give West Virginia credit. Very good defense. Very underrated team, I think. And you know, if they can. If they can put together a decent recruiting class, they're going to be a player next next year, I think. If you know, assuming <laughs> assuming there is a next year. And you talk about the West Virginia defense. I don't know if people remember, but this summer their defensive coordinator was fired, Vic Koenig, who has a long resume, has right. been around college football for a long time. He was fired because of some comments that he made about protesters. They're doing it as a committee, just all the defensive staffs working together. That's a great feather because Neil Brown, he's an offensive guy, offensive coordinator, you know, going up and moving up the ranks and what he did at Troy before getting to West Virginia. To take a collection in this season and play this good a defense in the Big 12, boy, a credit to that staff of West Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, um, you mentioned, and that's, that's, I know we haven't talked about it quite yet, but that's a name that, you know, he comes from Troy, so he has a Southern background. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this. South Carolina? That's a name you got to look, <laughs> yes, a name you got to look out for for South Carolina because there's, there's a lot of hot names out there for that job, you know, since they, I think kind of surprisingly pulled the plug on Muschamp, not that he didn't deserve it necessarily. I think, I think he's an average coach. His his biggest problem might be he followed Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier at his two coaching jobs. So, I mean, that's that, those are tough acts to follow. But I mean, I think he's just a little too fiery. But his buyout is anywhere between thirteen and fifteen million dollars, and they are just going to swallow that in these times. And that's not, that's not a big donor school. And now they're going to have to hire another staff, you know, you know, replace him, obviously. So that surprised me, and I know. Hugh Freeze is the hot name. You're hearing right. Billy Napier from Louisiana, which you know Iowa State fans are familiar with. But mm-hmm. you know Neil Brown. I mean, coming from Troy, I, I know it. Maybe seems like a lateral. I don't know what's a better job, West Virginia or South Carolina. Other than South Carolina is in the SEC, and I only mean that because they're going to pay better. It's a little bit higher profile, maybe. Um, it's a tougher job, I think, because now you're you're in the same state with the juggernaut. In Clemson, and oh, by the way, you've got Florida and Georgia in your division. But that's a guy. I don't know what his buyout is. I don't know what he's getting paid. But that's a guy that you know would not surprise me to see his name surface, even though he's only been at West Virginia. I think this is his first year there. So uh, that that would be uh, not would not be surprising if you saw his name kind of surface for that job. Yeah, this is year two for him. Four coaches came year in two, uh, two years right. ago. Yep. In the Big 12, he was one of those four climbing at Kansas State. Another one, uh, Texas Tech got their new guy from uh, Matt Wells from Utah State. And, of course, Les Miles, which, uh, well, that's a different one. Yeah. He's making yeah. Uh, just over $3 million a year, $3.5 million a year, in fact, and a lot of incentives at West Virginia. West Virginia, historically, a lot better program than South Carolina. You mentioned the Clemson article. Plus, you're in the SEC East. It just... They'd have to pay him what four and a half, maybe five million for him even to think about it. 
And West Virginia, yeah. I think, is a better job. I, I think the path to get to a championship game at West Virginia, a lot better than it is at South Carolina. I would agree with that. Um, I do think it is a better job. I, I just West Virginia doesn't seem to be one of those coaching destinations. You know, True. guys stay yep. there two, three, four, five years. So what, I, you know, I don't know what his goals are. Maybe he wants to be in the SEC. Maybe he figures, well, you know what, if I do – a good job here, uh, you know. Maybe I give it another year. Maybe Tennessee comes up when that is a better job, I think, um, than maybe than West Virginia. Even though it's still we're back in the East, but um, you know, a little bit better facilities, a lot more booster money, and everything else like that. But I just West Virginia. I, I don't know what his career goals are. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And and other than Vanderbilt, SEC jobs are and are coveted. You know, pretty highly. There's really not a lot of bad ones. I mean, there's some that are better. I would put I would put South Carolina probably in the bottom five of oh, the yeah. conference. You know, Vanderbilt being the worst, but you know, maybe you know Missouri, Arkansas, South Carolina, maybe Kentucky. Although Stoops has really done a really good job there, um, but that's always going to be a basketball school, no matter what you say. So I, I would put South Carolina in that bottom third of SEC jobs, but it's an SEC job. So you go there, you do something, maybe that puts you to the next one. But he's going to have options. I, I hope he stays. I mean, I don't like coaches that come two years and jump. But, you know, it happens, and we'll see what happens. I I, I would leave, I, I would be looking more at Napier from Louisiana Lafayette yeah. to me. Um, I think that's the guy that, that really is going to, you know, that, that would, if he wants it, it's, it might be his. South Carolina fires must champ after a 59-42 loss. Matt Corral, 28-32, 5-13, and four touchdowns, including a wide-open play where Lane Train just throws up his clipboard. What, it ended up in the stands, I think I read, as he was running up the sideline with them. Lane, his team at Old Miss don't play a lick of defense, but they can score. It's a fun program to watch. What's the upside of this program? When he gets his guys there, can they get to a level like Hugh Freeze had them, really good, knocked off Alabama a couple of different times? Give Can they get to those kind of levels again under Lane? I think they can because, listen, he's going to – Mississippi is flushed with talent. I mean, that is that is a – as is South Carolina. I mean, you go look mm-hmm. at that Clemson roster. There are a lot of South Carolina kids. I know they're recruiting nationally now. There are a lot of South Carolina kids on that roster. Um, it doesn't take – I think what Lane's going to do is he's going to go Juco route for a year, maybe two, to kind of build up the numbers, build up the talent, especially on defense. And, look, he can go out there to a junior college or, you know, and just say, listen, guys, you want to start in the SEC? I got a spot for you because, you know, the the guys I got now aren't very good. Um, So I think he'll go that route. Offensively, he is always, I think, going to be able to get a quarterback. And he is, I mean, listen, I always saw him as kind of a brat, you know, at USC and with Oakland and uh, the Raiders or whoever. The guy can coach, and he can he can develop quarterbacks. And I keep going back to guys like Blake Sims and Jake Coker when he was at Alabama. He had those guys playing at an elite level and a national championship level. So you go give him. He's always going to be able to have a quarterback. He's going to have skill guys. Uh, I think, you know, why not hire Will Muschamp to be your defensive coordinator, for goodness sakes? I mean, I don't know what kind of opportunities Muschamp's going to have for head coaching jobs, certainly not in the SEC. He may get a, a group of five job if he wants it. You know, reach out to Muschamp and say, hey, you know what, Why don't you? I'll pay you a million bucks, come coach my defense for a couple of years, rehabilitate yourself. 
that would not be a bad idea because Muschamp is really good on the defensive side of the ball. I think those two could coexist. But to answer your question, yes, I think he can get it done. At some point, Nick Saban is going to leave Alabama, and there's going to be a drop-off. <laughs> it may be two years, five years. Who really knows? He just turned 69. Um, but I think Ole Miss can be a player. You, you saw what they did under Freeze, and those were really good Alabama defenses, not what we have now, um, or not what's there now. But uh, he can get it done if he keeps his nose clean and if he stays out of you know NCAA trouble. I think he can get it done there because there is a lot of talent in that state. They've got a lot of money in that program, surprisingly a lot of money um, in that program. So go get yourself a defensive coordinator. Recruit JCs for a couple of years, and I think you're going to see him. They're they're going to be a pest in that division for for quite some time. I think Heisman Trophy will not be awarded until January. That came out during game day as they were live from the Masters on Saturday. Bama and I was just looking at one of the straw polls. The the top five they had Kyle Trask up there, but the other players Mac Jones didn't play this week. Trevor Lawrence didn't play this week. BYU and Zach Wilson didn't play this week, and of course. Ohio State and Justin Fields didn't play this week. That's just 2020. It embodies it once again. Four of the five guys on the list didn't even play this week. Yeah, it does. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. I think I think the best player in college is ETN at, at Clemson. I just think he is, but I don't think he can win it. And he was bottled Never up by won. Notre Dame. He did. Uh, and I, listen, Lawrence. I understand illness and, and I get it and protocol, but you've missed two games. Um, you know, not again, other, other guys have missed games. I think ultimately we're going to get the Alabama LSU game. I think the SEC is going to switch stuff around, um, to make that game happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just goes to show. I don't, I don't know who the favorite is right now. Trask looked just fantastic against what I thought was a pretty good Arkansas team. Yeah. Um, they, they were good enough to go beat. You know, A and M forty eight to three. I'm sorry to beat um uh with uh, with Felipe Franks there. The, you know the the guy who basically got injured in that horrible horrible injury he had against Kentucky last year. They've been a pest this year. I mean, they really have. And I just think that you know Florida and what Trask is doing really is reminding me of Joe Burrow last year. I mean, he is just so in control of that. This is an offense that last year was just kind of meandering about, had no real identity. Dan Mullen, you could tell he was frustrated. Ever since they put him in, I mean, he has just taken that program to another level, and he is he is just playing at, a, at an incredibly high level right now. He would probably be my front runner. Um, Lawrence is in there. Mac Jones, I think what he's done, especially losing Jalen Waddell, I mean, we'll see where he goes the rest of the year. Um, you know, they're, they're – Looks like they're on a collision course for Florida in the SEC championship game. But, I mean, who really knows uh, <laughs> the way that this season is going. But those those two guys right now will be my front runners. But Fields, I think, is going to have a a couple big games, starting with Indiana. If Especially if they get to play Wisconsin, that's going to be a big one that he can still show what he can do. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I just think that he's going to be um, – you know he he's gonna he went in as a favorite and if he still performs on the field he's gonna he's gonna get a seat in the Zoom meeting I guess the way it's gonna be this year. Uh, Zach Wilson at BYU you mentioned him. Uh, I just don't know the level of competition. Yeah. I, I I do like that team. I think he's really good. I think he's gonna be good at the next level. I just don't know what they play. But you know who has anybody really played this year? I mean, <laughs> and who will they play for the rest of the year? Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
it's just absolutely nuts. It's like anything I've ever seen. But Trask looked just – I watched a lot of that game, and he just – he just took it to another level, and he just keeps playing better and better every week. And uh, he is not a guy. It, a lot of Alabama fans were clamoring for Florida. They really wanted Florida to beat Georgia because they thought, man, we don't want to see Georgia again. Not in the SEC championship game. They might be. I think a lot of those fans are rethinking that decision right now because of the way he's throwing, especially with Kyle Pitts when he comes back. Right. He'll probably miss another week. But, man, when he comes back, they are just going to be incredibly dangerous team. Yeah, that second quarter, I watched a lot of that. And uh, as Wisconsin was putting it to Michigan, got over to the SEC network. And, and Arkansas, you know, that first drive from Franks was really good. How about the Florida fans booing him, too? Come on. I mean, I, I get it. A kid yeah, that was, I didn't like that at bad all. Thing. I mean, listen, you can argue that, that Trask is better. I don't think it's an argument. He's better. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't – other than – you know, he had a couple little crazy celebrations that, you know, maybe didn't go over very well and he ran his mouth a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, listen, it, it, you never root, I, I never root for a guy to get hurt. I don't care who he's playing for. I don't care what kind of person he is, player he is, whatever. I mean, and to see that injury, I, I hated it for him. I'm glad he's found a spot at Arkansas where he can continue his career and show what he can do. I don't know if he's a next level talent. He's probably not. Um, but I thought that was kind of classless. Uh, I really did, and I just I don't I hate to hear that when you know because you were cheering him you know when he you know t- two years ago when he was throwing touchdowns uh, against Michigan you were you were all for him and now just because he gets hurt and the guy that replaces him is on a Heisman track you're going to boo him that does it doesn't make any sense and I, I just I didn't like that at all. Tip of the ball cap. Final thoughts here. Bama Notre Dame uh, getting it done against Boston College a a game that was primed for a letdown. They never allowed that to happen. They made it really tough on the former Notre Dame quarterback, Phil Jakovic, and uh, he really couldn't get a whole lot going in the ball game. That's an impressive win, I thought, for Notre Dame. Bouncing back after the emotional victory, going on the road and, and winning pretty convincingly against at least an above-average Boston College team. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, we talked about it, you know, Friday, May, is it a trap game? I, I didn't really see it as a trap game. I just thought they were better than D.C., and I thought they could put up, you know, eventually they would put up more points. But we've seen them, I mean, against Louisville, like, that, I still go, I don't, I, that's the game to me that's just the outlier. I don't understand that game. They just look, I don't know what it was. Maybe they had issues going on within the program with some, COVID depth issues. I, I really don't know, but I mean, 12 to 7, you just go look at all their results. You know, the points they put up against, you know, 42 against Florida State, 45 against Pitt, 47 against Clemson, and of course, double overtime, 45 last week, and then 12-7 Louisville. That one just doesn't, that's the outlier, but they do look pretty good. They got a week off, um, I believe, uh, and then they, they go to North Carolina on the 27th, which I believe is, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, and you know, then they go to Syracuse and Wake. So they, they've got a really good shot. Uh, they would be, it would be an upset if they're not in the ACC championship game. Miami kept themselves in the conversation. Uh, I don't know that Clemson is going to be able to, is going to drop a game to allow them in the back door. They've got Florida State, Pitt, and Virginia, that Virginia Tech game for Clemson at the end of the year. Um, that's just an up and down team, but they're a little bit dangerous on offense. But right now, it looks like uh, it's going to be Notre Dame Clemson part two, which, if it's anything like part one, I think we'd all take right now. No doubt about it. Bama will talk again on Friday, getting ready for the weekend. All right, guys. Take care. Enjoy it. And um, best to your partner. Thank you much. That's Bama Bob joining us as he does here on a Monday. Back with us on Friday as we'll prepare 
for the college football weekend. Quick timeout when we come back. Time to get into the Cyclones off this week. Kansas State on deck. We'll talk about that. Matt Campbell, continued name speculation there. He's happy in Ames. Is there any concern about the Michigan job? We'll get into that with Dave Sprouse. He joins us. Taking you up until noon, Mr. Monday Night with the pick and some props for you. Also, before we get out of here, back with more. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's right. we got to give away $1,000. Let's try to do that right now. Your time for the $1,000 handoff. Need you to text the keyword FAMILY to 200-200 right now. FAMILY to 200-200. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. Now we'll come back and talk with Dave Sproud next year on Miller & Condon. We are Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 AM. And now 106.3 FM. This is for by NHTSA. Trent got it back with you here on a Monday. Looking back at the sports weekend and a look ahead. Our first look ahead here. With Dave Sproul from KASI in Ames, 1430 on your AM dial as he joins us talking Iowa State sports. Dave, good to catch up with you again. What would you do with your bye week? I uh, went uh, up to Minnesota, my home state, visited my parents a little bit, hung out, and uh, watched the Masters. That's about it. That doesn't sound like a bad weekend at all. Running into any snow, ice, anything up there? No, luckily it was- Southern Minnesota is where my folks live, and they didn't get much snow, luckily, this time around. You're in good shape. Well, Dave, uh, we got plenty to get into here today. Iowa State, both football and basketball, as we are now, uh, what, just over a week away from the anticipated start of college basketball season. But let's start today a teleconference from Matt Campbell and the Big 12 coaches. Of course, no game, not a whole lot to get into, but you mentioned one interesting note. Question came up about health and COVID health. At least at this point, everything good on the Ames perspective. Yeah, Campbell said his team is 100% healthy, at least from a COVID perspective. He didn't touch on the, the health aspects of anyone else uh, injury-wise. But uh, has, as has been the case, it's minimal to no cases you know, within the athletic department for Iowa State and has been for, for some time. And so it sounds like everybody, staff and player-wise, uh, good to go right now, at least as of today. These things change day-to-day, obviously. Now, on the flip side, Kansas State sounds like they're dealing with some serious issues. In fact, you, there's some question as to if they had had a game last weekend, whether they could have fielded a team. And Chris Kleiman, their head coach, said that at least, or indicated at least one position group is kind of on the cusp of that limit where they might not have enough players to actually get out there and, and field a, a proper team. Now, I, I don't want to. Um, cause a panic or, or immediately hit the alarm button and say, well, that might put this game's week in je- this week's game in jeopardy, but that might be something to keep in the back of your mind. If K-State can't get that head in the right pose- uh, right direction, then you know, there might be some legitimate concern about this weekend's game being canceled or, or more likely postponed. You might have seen already that the Big 12 championship game has moved back a week, so that opens up a week for everybody else. There's already one game scheduled for, for the week of December 12th. And so that could, you know, open up more games to be moved there if necessary. Just something you've got to keep an eye on at least uh, the rest of the season. Uh, and, you know, going into basketball, too, is just 
cases for specific position groups or teams overall. If they have enough players to, to actually field a, a team and make that trip. And right now, Kansas State is at least worth keeping an eye on. Limited uh, tickets will go on sale Friday, November 20th, 10 a.m. Central Time. Can be purchased on SeatGeek. Yes, Cyclone fans, I'm talking to you. We're in the middle of November. We're talking about a first-place team. December 19th for that game there. And look, Texas still controls their own destiny. Oklahoma, the same. Both those teams went out. At least, at the very least, they'll get a tie there. And then we get into tiebreakers and all kinds of craziness. The great thing for Iowa State, they also control their own destiny. You went out, you're going to be playing for a Big 12 title. This bye week, though, how, how was it used from Iowa State? Campbell, health, always a, a, a ter- something that's always talked about with a bye week. But what else do you believe that they did getting ready for Kansas State? Well, pretty you know, pretty typical storyline for just about any football program that has a bye week is to take some time and do a little self-evaluation, evaluate not only your scheme but your personnel and see who's improving and who maybe deserves a shot to get on the field these last three games and, and that kind of thing. And that's that's a real luxury you have with a bye week. And that's one of the reasons Matt Campbell and everybody involved in the Iowa State program is so excited about the way the, the buys worked out. You had the bye after the first game, which worked out great because you lost it and he needed time to regroup. And then he had three Big 12 games and a bye. You had three more Big 12 games and a bye. Now you got three more to close out the regular season. And if you're Iowa State, you're hoping that you're going to use that to build some steam heading into the Big 12 championship game. you got three games ahead of you that you feel like you can win and maybe feel like you should win. But at the same time, this is the Big 12, and who knows what could happen. Uh, Even Kansas State with a freshman quarterback and, maybe a roster diminished by, by COVID and contact tracing, uh, can still put up a fight. They're, they're not going to lay down and die for you. And you got some pretty salty opponents with Texas and West Virginia coming up. So nothing's going to be given to this Iowa State team, but they're coming into it uh, feeling pretty good about themselves. And to be in first place right now certainly beats the alternative. 11 of the last 12 have gone to Kansas State. On paper, this Iowa State team's a lot better than Kansas State. Yeah, they came back against Oklahoma, but the team that we've seen for the majority of the season for Kansas State just frankly isn't that good. You get them at home. I know goofy things have happened, and, and this series, I don't know, it's a lot of scar tissue, I guess, for Cyclone fans looking back over the past really three decades as Kansas State's won 25 the last 30, but Iowa State's just better. Any conversation inside that locker room about series history, or is it just silly? I mean, these guys... They haven't lived this series on the same level. They won the game two years ago in crazy comeback fashion. Do you think that's a conversation point at all for Iowa State this week? I, I kind of doubt it, at least from coach to player. Maybe the players can talk amongst themselves. I mean, the guys who have been around a while kind of know that it's been uh, a, a wild series, and, and, and Kansas State has that advantage of winning 11-12, but I've Wagering off the top of my head, nine or ten of those games have been decided by one score mm-hmm. and could have gone either way in any of those seasons, even with Kansas in years when Kansas State had uh, the talent advantage or in years when I, Iowa State had a decided talent, event, uh, talent advantage. It's always gone down to the wire. It's always been really close between these two teams. And if that's part of the conversation, that's a good thing for Iowa State because then they're going to be aware that they need to be uh, you know, really focused and come out here and not take Kansas State for granted, even though their their recent results in the past few weeks haven't gone their way uh, the way that you know compared to the way that the season started. If you're talking about losing 11 of 12 overall, then that might plant some bad seeds in the locker room. Right. And again, that's going to be more like you know players looking at the recent history and, and being knowledgeable about that. 
coaches aren't going to say, oh, well, look, they've won 11 in the last 12. we got to go out and get them. Or they beat us last year. we got to get revenge. They're, they're just going to be focused on this year's teams, how they match up, what they need to do to win. But the, it, it's human nature when you're in a locker room, the players among themselves. Those, those are topics that, that might come up. And you can either use that positively for motivation or negatively, and we'll see Saturday maybe whether uh, one of those attitudes wins out. So we're uh, just a f- week and a half away from the start of college basketball. Iowa State's first scheduled basketball game is Sunday, November 29th with Arkansas Pine Bluff coming to town, uh, South Dakota State after that, and then DePaul. But the Iowa game still hasn't been scheduled. We know of two games in the Big 12 that will be played in December against Kansas State and West Virginia. And I look at this roster, and listening to Prome last week talk about this team, I like a lot of the individual pieces, but with limited practice time, limited non-conference schedule, how are these pieces going to fit together? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. That's why coaches get paid as much as they do, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's, it's their job to figure all that out, and there's probably going to be some, some rockiness. I mean, uh, again, going back to that first football game of the season for Iowa right. State, it, it looked, they looked like a team that wasn't able to really fully practice together in the way that they're accustomed to going into a season. And there are times when the Iowa State basketball team might look the same way, and they're going to have some rough edges to, to smooth out and some adjustments to make to each other and as well as to their opponents. So there might be some rough patches in there, and there might be a loss that you don't expect. Who knows? Uh, you got to weather through that stuff, though. And, this, you know, the real meat of things is going to be in the Big 12 schedule, and you got that SEC challenge game that can also help if you're if you're really, uh, you know, gunning for an NCAA tournament bid. I don't know if this team is going to be there. I think they do have the opportunity, they have the talent to, to get themselves into a bubble situation. And, uh, the, I mean, the traditional NCAA, you know, tournament bubble, yeah. not the kind of bubble we're talking about now. Uh, but uh, I, I think the talent is there. But, yeah, the pieces all got to fit together, and that might take a little more time than usual to work out in your non-conference schedule. Yeah, if you missed the news, I mentioned this at the top of the show today, the NCAA talking about bringing all 68 teams to Indianapolis, maybe some games at Hinkle Fieldhouse and other venues, Conseco and the like, around Indianapolis. That is where the 68 teams that make the tournament will descend. At least that's a plan for the NCAA. Will Iowa State be amongst them? Well, we got months to figure that out, and we'll be doing it with Dave Sproul from KSI. Dave, as always, thanks for your time today. You bet. My pleasure. Dave Sproul joining us. We'll get a quick timeout. Come back. His Vikings against my Bears. Monday night football. Mr. Monday night. He's got a pick for you. Trying to make it six out of ten winners as we come back. It's Miller and Condon on your side. Mr. Monday Night has a pick for you. Looking to hit 60% on the year. You can find this number right now at DraftKings. I just fired at it. Add a little extra to the wager. We're up to two units now. You know Mr. Monday Night is a Bears fan. He also thinks that his team stinks. But he's taking the Chicago Bears plus three and a half. The number currently got a lay minus 120 at DraftKings. That's a salty number. I don't think the Bears are good. Vikings have played incredibly well the last two weeks with Dalvin Cook running the football. This is more of a fade. Kirk Cousins on Monday night. The Bears' defense being good up front, being able to slow down Dalvin Cook, you'd think a little bit. And the weather, it's going to be decent. For a mid-November game in Chicago, not much wind. I mentioned I also have a prop for Mr. Monday night. Take a look at this one. 
Nick Foles. Completions over 23 and a half. They can't run the football. Offensive line stinks. Short passing game. Jump on the over 23 and a half pass passes from Nick Foles tonight. Bears three and a half. Foles over 23 and a half completions. The picks from Mr. Monday Night. Hey, thanks for dealing with me here today. Thanks to all the great guests we had lined up. Scott Dockerman, Matt Rudy, Bama Bob, Dave Sprout. Catch those over on the podcast page. We're out of here. Murph and Andy come your way next locally at 2. The Berkwood Bullseye is back. Register at KXNO.com. Then follow along as our personalities shoot to win you prizes from Berkwood Farms, Fiscus Diamond Jewelers, and Mistress Brewing Company. Take your shot at the Berkwood Bullseye right now at KXNO.com from Des Moines Sports Station, KXNO.